0: So once upon a time, there was a boy who noticed a girl. Every time he saw her, his heart started fluttering. Every time their eyes met, they just they just knew there was something special between them. Finally, he decided, I've got to ask this girl out. And so he goes and he talks to her, and, and what do you know? It's, they, they hit it off. And so from this point on, they start spending all their moments together, hanging out, texting, because of the, how, the ease of that on the phone. They're texting, or they're thinking about each other. At the appropriate time. The guy says he scrapes together as much money as he can. He goes out and he buys the perfect ring. He gets on his knees and he proposes to her. <gasps> she couldn't be happier. This is what she's always wanted. Ephesians 5.31 says for, the, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh and that is what she has dreamt about her whole life the wedding day comes it's a beautiful wedding the music, the marching, even the little flower girl dropping all the flower petals everything goes off without a hitch within a few short years though, that blessed day they don't look much like the couple that first fell in love with each other and thought they were going to live happily ever after so instead of spending the nights in love they start spending them alone with different hobbies and interests instead of working through their issues one is ignoring it while the other one is watching TV or searching the web, looking for that person who they think will be more compatible. What went wrong? What is the issue? Well, perhaps he realized, realizes she's not quite as lovable as I once thought. Maybe she's come to realize that he's not as respectable as he once was. Is all lost? Perhaps. uh, But really, this is likely an issue that's not just one side or the other. This is an issue that affects and is caused by both people. One has led to the other, and it might possibly be resolvable if they both tried. Now, this is not a true story, uh, though for many couples it is, where... They, they they get excited, they get married, and they think, I'm going to live happily ever after. And then after a short while, they start to wonder, where did my happily ever after go? So today, we're going to be talking about happily ever after. And we're going to talk about how do I regain my hev- my happily ever after with my spouse, but also... This is a picture of Christ and the church and how we can have happily ever after with Jesus forever. So first of all, happily ever after with each other, and we are going to start with uh, just reading a couple words of scripture. This is exactly what it takes. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I need to pray. Father God, I just I thank you again for this word. I just really I pray for the clarity of thought, uh, for the calmness as I, I share these things, and I just pray that we would hear from you, that you would just speak through me calmly and plainly. And I pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. So wives, girls, females, you are up first. It says in chapter 5, verse 22 to 24, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands. So yes, gals, you are up on the chopping block first. I didn't pick it this way. I I don't know if it's late first uh, ladies first, but this is what the way Paul has chosen to write this. And this passage involves uh, every woman. You could those of you who are married, obviously you are in that wifely position. Those of you who are not married yet, this is something that is potentially coming down the road for you, so that you will experience and you get to learn. This is what is expected of you if you are going to go that route of being married. And if you are single and you're going to stay that way, you still have to pay attention because you just might be that mentor in somebody's life. And you can explain to them. This is what scripture says. So women, wherever, whatever situation you're in, please pay attention. And don't worry, the guys are going to get their due also. OK, so Paul says to the wives, he says, submit to your husbands. Submit means to place oneself in submission to to. To put yourself under the authority of somebody else. Now, obviously, wives and women, this is a choice that you are asked to make. It's a command, actually, that you're supposed to do, but these are things that you're going to have to do for yourselves. Now, wives back then, uh, they, they had a pretty rough. Uh, the Jewish men had a very low opinion of Jewish women. The men would pray, and they would pray, Dear God, thank you that you did not make me a Gentile. Right there was two. There was the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews thought themselves special. Everybody else, they didn't care about. So they said, "Thank you that you didn't make me a Gentile." Thank you, God, that you didn't make me a slave. I think we all can appreciate that. But then they would say something really stupid. Thank you that you didn't make me a woman. That's what they thought about women. Uh, The Jewish man thought of woman as a piece of property. She had no rights and she had no control really over how her life would go. A husband could divorce his wife for just about any reason. You know where she's cooking a meal and oh, you you know, I, the salt shaker lid fell off, and I put too much salt in your food. You're out of here. I can't. <laughs> I can't handle that much salt in my food. Go away. Uh, you know, uh, she's she's talking to another guy in the synagogue. I'm jealous. That is not okay. Goodbye and she's, she's divorced uh, if if you know she has a bad hair day, you know she's, she didn't put her makeup on quite right, she's not as attractive as she was when she first got married, he could divorce her and he didn't have to go to court and to say judge here's my reasons for divorcing her, all he had to do was write it out, here's your certificate goodbye woman and off she was supposed to go what is she supposed to do? she can't work, she, she can go talk to, hopefully move in with her brother or her parents, but she's at the mercy of everybody because that's the way the Jewish men treated their women. Well, fast forward a couple thousand years, women, aren't you thankful that it's not the same way today? Yeah. Okay. So women, you have your own jobs, you know, you have, you make your own money. Uh, You can come and go as you like, you can talk to whoever you want, pretty much, but you're still called to have this submission to our to your husbands. And but a lot of women today live quite the opposite. They live an independent life. And a lot of men say it's okay. It's easier to let my wife lead, it's easier to let my wife do whatever she wants instead of following the biblical model of marriage that we see here, where man is considered the head of the household. Now this is not—it's obviously not a dictator kind of position. A man was not given the authority to say, it's my way or the highway. But we see from the very beginning of scripture that God has placed man in this position. If we go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, it says, The Lord God commanded the man, whose name is Adam, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Guess where Eve was at this point? She's in the rib, right? She's not, she was not created yet. So God is talking specifically to Adam saying, Adam, you named all the animals. You can eat any tree that you want except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Next thing we find is that Eve has chosen to, Eat of this fruit. She was tricked by the snake. She gives up to Adam, who knows better, and he eats it anyway. And so now they're both feeling naked. They're both feeling shame. In Genesis chapter three, verses eight through eleven, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he's walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to who? The man. He said, Adam, where are you? He answered, I, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid. Adam is the one who's getting talked to in this situation. God is looking to him as the head, as the one who's going to be responsible for the direction that his family goes. Genesis chapter 3 verse 16, when God starts to pass out these punishments for for eating of this fruit, the snake is going to crawl on its belly, Adam's going to have to work the ground with all the thorns and thistles, and he says to the woman, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. This idea of your your desire will be for your husband means your will will be submitted to to your husband. Eve because you ate this fruit, now you are supposed to submit your will to your husband's leading. Because you did not make the right choice, it says he will have he will rule over you. He will have authority over you. Now that's and and today's world is very old fashioned. There's a lot of people who could argue and say that doesn't apply anymore. That's in the Old Testament. Well, I've, I've never had a baby, okay? My wife, when she had two babies, they were both C section babies. And so we didn't go through the, 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 the pain and the discomfort of the actual birthing experience. But women out here, did it didn't hurt to have a baby? Yes, most more than likely and and this this idea of great pains greatly increasing in childbearing is still true. And guess what else is still true? God says he will rule over you is still the way I want it to be now I know women who are listening to this say that's a lot of power that my husband has I don't think I like that well you know I know what probably comes to mind are the worst case scenarios you know my my husband he's going to want to spend every dollar that we have and I'm afraid of the investment that he's going to make he's going to make us uproot and move and I don't want to go what if he refuses to let me go anywhere or to do anything and I'm still supposed to submit to that. I don't like this at all. Well, those are really true situations in life and I feel bad for women who find themselves in those situations. We really don't have time to try to discuss and work out every answer to every situation but as as we uh, see in scripture this is what the way God has designed it to be and I look around and I don't look at you and say you're a deadbeat husband or, you're a deadbeat husband I don't look and say that's probably the situations we're not dealing with inside this church. What's more than likely coming to mind is that what if my husband is not leading. right What if he is not leading? He just refuses to lead. Am I suppo- how do I submit to that? Well, first of all, I would say pray for him. Because if you, if you really want him to move, and you want him to move God's way, you need God's help to make him move. Uh, talk to him gently about it. Say, please, we just heard today in church, this is what the preacher said from Scripture, you're supposed to lead, would you please lead? Because this is a team effort. Uh, encourage him to do that, and if he does start to lead, support him where he's leading. Option number two, what if he's leading, but he's leading poorly? First of all, if he's asking you to do something that you are not supposed to do, biblical on him (laughs) when peter was and the disciples were told to stop preaching the name of jesus he says i'm going to obey god rather than man so tell your husband the preacher said the bible says i'm supposed to obey god's word instead of what you're saying and do not do it okay but if he's not telling you to do something that's against god's word then you have a different response at the very least he's leading poorly, I don't like the direction things are going, it's not against God's word, at the very least, what uh, Peter tells the women who are uh, married to an unchristian man, he says wives in the same way, be submissive to them he's still telling them the same thing, whether they're saved or whether they're not, you still need to be submissive to them, so that they may believe the word, and he says you show it uh, with, without words, by your behavior behavior by living a pure and reverent life and there's an impact that can be made in their lives based off of your doing it so whether your husband is leading at all or he is leading poorly at least do what paul's or what peter's saying how you should treat uh the man that you're married to that's unsaved at least live that way you are. We are. You are called to submit to him, and it says here, out of reverence for Christ. And you don't. You can say, I don't like my husband. I don't respect my husband, and that's your choice. But say, I'm going to submit to him because I love Jesus. I will tell Jesus, you know what? My husband is not in this way, and I, I'm afraid of where it's going to go. But because I love you, Jesus, I'm going to follow what does your word say. Tell God that's the reason why. So, wives, what are you called to do? You are called to submit to the leading of your husband. I didn't make that up. Okay, I'm. I, I'm afraid to say that. You know, I thought like, can I hide behind? Can I hide behind the pulpit? I, I was texting with Todd this morning. I said, nobody may like me by the time the message is done today. Okay, so um, I'm glad my wife has a job at least for a while. Teaching will at least have some income. But this is these are difficult things that really are going to nail every one of us, okay? So wives, you are called to submit to the Lord if even only out of reverence for Christ. Husbands, you are called to love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for us. That means us guys who have this ring on, who have set our vows, who are married, we've got to love our wives. You guys who are sitting like, I don't think, I, I don't know if this ever applies to me, It does because someday you might find that girl and you might spend every last dollar that you have dating her wooing her buying her that ring thinking you're going to live happily ever after that's going to probably happen you guys are good looking guys you're you're good kids up there in the balcony the same thing is probably going to happen and if you are single and you're going to stay that way you're going to have kids that you can talk to and say look guys I know she's hot and I know you love her but there's more to it that you are called to love your wife, so please, everybody, again, pay attention. You know, when uh, when Leslie and I were dating, uh, we, we got married. Not a very romantic proposal, but we got married. She said yes. I told you guys a couple weeks ago how nuts she was to do that, but she did. Well, we went to pre-marriage counseling, and we talked about all sorts of things. We talked about our finances. We talked about going to church. We went through this pre-marriage counseling book. But, you know, in those kind of situations, you do not talk about everything. You're right, you, you want to, but there's just too many things out there to discuss. Well, one of the things we did not discuss was who is going to barbecue. Sounds simple, but when we first got married, it was one of those kind of unwritten rules that, hey, Josh, you're going to go out there and barbecue. Well, Josh never barbecued a day in his life. Josh, did. I, I look back at my life and I say, you know, for, for like 19, 20 years, I, I had my mother to cook for me. Then I had this period of time, this window of cooking where I don't know how I survived before I got married. This is how bad it was. I didn't even know how easy it was to make cookie dough. If it was, I'd probably have this great big belly that I couldn't have gotten rid of because I would have eaten so much of it. But I didn't even know how to make cookie dough. I don't know how I survived that period of time. So we get married and, and we're supposed to barbecue and I remember one of the first things I was supposed to barbecue wasn't a hamburger. It was like these pork strips. Like that, that's like not even normal to start with and I have no idea how am I going to tell this is done. We survived, we ate it, and we're still living. Uh, but just just the fact that I said I do does not mean I know how to do this stuff. Just because I, I said I do doesn't mean uh, I know how to barbecue or I know how to be a husband. I've seen it, but it doesn't mean I know. And I, I have to say, women your husbands and maybe maybe it's different for your husbands than it was for me but just because I became a husband doesn't mean that I got a chip implanted in me that says I know how to lead as a husband I grew up watching But I wasn't a very good student of that. You know, I I just, you know, I was into football and I was into other things. I didn't pay that much attention. So this is, I know women, you say this is a lot of power that a man has. But as a man, we say this is a lot of pressure. This is a big responsibility that we are given the task to do, to be the leader of our homes. It is a very difficult thing. Husbands, you are called to love your wives. This is an agape love, which is to show a preference for, uh, to regard the welfare of. And this is, there is no clause for this. It doesn't say husbands love your wives unless. Just like it doesn't say wives submit to your husbands unless. This is something that you are called to do. A wife is supposed to submit to her husband even if he doesn't love her. A husband is supposed to love his wife even if she does not. Submit to him, but it's it's really it's a two way street. I know in the bulletin, if you read this, the two is the wrong two. It's a T W O. It says love and submission are two ends of the same street. It's it's an equal thing there. So so back to the, what the husbands were back then. You know the husbands did not respect their wives. they did not really love them. They could get rid of them and collect another wife just as easy as going to the grocery store. It was a very simple thing. Well, the Greeks at that time, they expected their women to run the home. Leslie, you run the home, you take care of the kids, but I'm gonna find my pleasure and I'm going to find my companion somewhere else. Does that sound like a happy ever after to you? No. And it was so bad that women were like, I'm refusing to get married. Like if if that's all I'm going to do is just mother your kids, take care of your home, but you're going to find your pleasure and you're going to find your companionship everywhere else, then I am not getting married. And this is the, the original people Paul is talking to and he's telling these husbands, wait a second. I know this is what seems normal in your culture, but this is not what God wants. He wants you to love your wife anyway. He wants you to love your wife sacrificially. You know, uh, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What did Jesus do? He, he, he did whatever it took to give the church the, the, the bride of Christ eternal life. He gave up his life he gave up his place in heaven came down to earth to die on the cross and that's how husbands that's how we're supposed to love our wives sacrificially this is not all about me this is about her as well and I'm supposed to love her all the time and that involves listening I, I listen to my wife I take her thoughts into consideration. I sometimes choose what she wants, even if I don't want to choose it. We work together to decide what are we going to spend our money on? We work together to decide where are we going to go on vacation? We work together to decide how are we going to raise and discipline our kids? The goal is to do what is best for both of us, not just me. But inside that, there's still a point where God says, man is just a slightly different position he says that I want the man to be the one who gets he's the one who's getting a finger pointed at here so women have to be submissive to that and men have to rise up to that now that, that doesn't mean that women are any less than men because when God created man he created woman and he says male and female I'm creating them in my image woman is exactly made in God's image the same as a man is made in God's image with the ability to think the ability to reason the ability to love, to have a relationship, we are exactly on the same plane. One man is no better than one woman and one woman is no better than one man but God, about that much says, man is right there he's going to get the brunt of it when we see how does does a, a home run, he says I'm looking to you men to make sure that this is going the way that God wants and he says you've got to love your wife sacrificially he says you've got to love your wife as yourself in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife is actually loving himself now when we got married we had this great big list of wedding vows my dad did the wedding and what do we do repeat after me my mouth is moving but I have no idea what I'm saying I'm so caught up in this girl that's going to be mine forever I will say anything like 20 years ago I said that now what did I say I'm going I'm going to love her in sickness and in health, and richer or in poorer, and all those kinds of things. I made the vow then. I've got to keep that. Maybe it'd be good to put it on the wall. Hey, Josh, this is what you vowed to do. <laughs> you know, I think about everybody. You know, all those guys. We got up and probably had breakfast. You know, if we're a breakfast eater, we, we got dressed. When we, when we are hungry, we feed ourselves. When we're tired, we, we go to bed. When we when we want to buy something we go out and we buy it we, we are treating ourselves well and he says treat your wife the same way that you treat yourself when she's sick take care of her if she needs help around the house help her around the house um, if she if she needs someone to talk to be there to sit and listen whatever it is you treat her the way that you would want to be treated and number three, Paul says this is permanently. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. God says, really, there's one way for this to, to separate, to be done, and that's supposed to be just in death. And that happens. A couple, they get married. Uh, the saddest thing that I know is when people on their the wedding day or shortly after and they go do something crazy to celebrate like they, they go skydiving and only one of them comes home. Right, That's sad. That was avoidable. But you know in life, a husband does pass away or a wife does pass away. At that point, feel free to go get married again because that is completely good in God's eyes. But while you're in the relationship that you are in, women, guys, please remember this. Love and submission are a two-way street. It goes both ways. I love my wife even if she doesn't submit to me. She submits to me even if I don't love her. But the the way to get your happy ever after back is to follow this very simply put love and submission, it's hard to do, but this is what it will take to put your marriage back on the right road if it's struggling to be on the right road. So I want, I personally want a happy ever after in my marriage. It hasn't always been happy. It hasn't always been good. I have i remember talking to, i mentioned it before, and I've talked to to Jennifer Tudor when she was here about it was a struggle. When we got married, I have have no idea why she said yes. We had worked through so many things that we never discussed and it was it was a, a struggle. She'll say the same thing. Like I felt like I made a mistake, and it was a lot of a lot a lot to get through. Uh, so it hasn't always been good. We both said the D word. We both wanted out of it. But yet, after 20 years, we're still together, and I'm so I'm so thankful. So I know it's it's. Uh, it's. I'm not up here saying like I've had a perfect marriage. I've had crummy moments, and so has Leslie. But this is how to get it back on track: it is love and submission to each other, each part doing its own work. So I want a happy marriage, a happy ever after from this point too. But you know who else wants that? Jesus wants that. Uh, we we read in. Uh, Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, it says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Jesus, in this relationship, is the groom. The church is the body of Christ, is the bride. Jesus has 100% laid out his part. He has shown love from the very beginning. He has never wavered. Whether the church submits or not, he is always pouring in that love. The church has to decide, I'm going to submit to him even when I don't feel like I like the way he's leading because that's the way it's designed to be. And Jesus, he loved us. It was His choice. Nobody made Him come down to the earth as a man and die on a cross so that we could have forgiveness. He chose to love us. Ephesians 1, uh, verses 3 through 5, says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love... He predestined us. Before the creation of the world, He loved His church. He loved you. He chose to make you part of His family. His choice. He loved us. He sacrificed. He gave His life. A couple weeks ago we were talking about Easter uh, or Resurrection Day. Jesus up on that cross. He gave the best of what He had in order so that we could have salvation. He sacrificed everything that He had for us. And He sanctified His bride. Which means to make holy. To remove guilt. To prepare for the day of His return. But the point is is he 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 did these things because he loved us he demonstrate demonstrated his love for us the church is the body of christ from ages past until the day jesus comes back there's going to be people of every nation every nationality those who speak swahili those who speak portuguese those who speak english those who are black those who have squinted eyes those who have great big eyes those who have no eyes right every nation color tribe tongue is going to be made part of the body of christ and as a husband says, yoo I'm leaving my parents and I'm cleaving to this girl of my dreams. This is how we should be when we leave and cleave to Christ. We should leave the world. We should leave the sins, the temptations, the desires, everything this world has to offer. We should leave that and cleave and hang on to Jesus for dear life. We should submit to him, follow him, and return that love that he has. So it's a picture that the marriage relationship is a picture of Christ and the church. Husbands and wives, you want a happily ever after. One of you, is if you don't have that, one of you is going to have to decide, I'm going to start loving my wife first. I'm going to start submitting to my husband first in order to get this thing kick-started. But if you do, it will rekindle, it will reunite. And this is there, it's in the Bible, it's true I can tell you from experience, this is what it takes to get things like it was on the wedding day, where you are excited to be married to the person that you are but this is also a bigger picture of what Christ and the church is supposed to be you want a happily ever after in your marriage Christ wants a happily ever after with you for all eternity in order to have that though you've got to join that relationship you've got to be able to confess your sins and tell Jesus Jesus, yes, I've done these wrong things. We talked about it in Sunday school. We can say, Well, I didn't lag, kill, cheat, or steal. But we can say it's trespassing. Um, it's it's going against what God's word says. There's there's just a plethora of ways to point out that yes, you are a sinner. Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you can have eternal life. And if you ask him to forgive you, he will. And you can have salvation, and you can have that happily ever after for all eternity. But you're you're gonna have have to do your part, and you're going to have to have that conversation with Jesus. It's very simple. There's no magic words. You, you, you talk to him, you explain to him your need for him, and you're trusting him. He will give you eternal life. So I just want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, make it right now. Have that happily ever after with Jesus. If you say, I don't really have that happily ever after in my home right now, do your part to make that happily ever after possible. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you for, first of all, for my wife. I thank you, God, that she has, we've been able to, to stick it out and have much more good in our lives for the past 20 years than bad. And I thank you, God, for the truth we see in Scripture that we needed to love and to submit to each other. God, I pray for marriages in this room. I pray for marriages that, of people who might listen to this online that might be struggling, that have wondered where that happily ever went, that they would see this, the truth in scripture. But God, we know ultimately this is a picture of you and the church. I pray that God we would be the people who would leave the sins and the temptations of this world and, and decide to love you and follow you and join that relationship with you so that we could have a happily ever after with you for all eternity. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, God, for your salvation and for your forgiveness. And I, I thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.